It's the morning show that no one knows and no one is talking about. I said no one is talking about, but if they did, they'd probably say it's the best way to start today with Rach and Dave. Oh, hello. Top of the morning. It's Friday. My name is Dave. I live here in this house and I am still without my wife, Rachel Hollis. Yep, Rachel is still working on her book. Last day for her to finish working on this book. And so I, in my attempts to be a decent husband to this human, agreed that I would come on and do this, the Start Today Morning Show, all week long without her trying to carry the load in the midst of our next 90-day challenge. Hello. Yes, Rachel. Uh, she's my wife. She's also my best friend, my roommate. We share this office together. We live in this house together. She has been working on a book for some time. That book is due today. It's book turn-in day. And she, in book turn-in fashion, is going to turn in a book later on today. Bless up. I'm very excited about it. But uh, the silver lining, the dark cloud, the thing that that comes with, the thing that that comes with is me talking to you without her for a little bit of time on the topic of resilience. Resilience. We're talking about resilience all week long in this uh, next 90-day challenge of ours, if you're not familiar with it. It's a totally free challenge. We are on day 46. Yesterday was day 45. We forgot to celebrate that we've crossed the halfway mark in the 90-day challenge. Y'all, unbelievable. Uh, but we're doing this challenge as a community together. It is 100% free. It's a thing that Rachel is primarily leading when she's not writing a book like she is today and uh, is something that you are welcome to join at any time. When you join, you get access to a portal. There's weekly coaching. Every single week, there is something that we are delivering on the topic of the week. This week's topic was about resilience. Next week's topic is all about goals, but we have made it halfway through this next 90 days, y'all. That is amazing. So we are talking about resilience this week. Every single day this week, I've tried to just have a conversation with y'all about a different part of resilience. And I wanna to talk today about resilience and how you have to engineer resilience with uh, two things, with perspective and with the leverage that can come through visualization. Okay, so resilience is just this idea of getting back up, of deciding to keep going, of in the face of adversity, as the headwinds are blowing, you making a choice to get back up and keep going. And there are going to be days where you do not feel like turning resilience on. You're going to have days where you're like, you know what, go fly a kite. I am not interested. You can go Brazil yourself. Not here. Thank you very much. And I will argue on those days when you don't feel like it, because guess what? I don't feel like it all the time. I've had to do one of two things, either connect to something that affords me perspective, that allows me to engineer the kind of resilience that I am interested in displaying, or attach myself to a visualization, either positive or negative. And in that visualization, allow it to create leverage that would create in me the desire to be resilient. Let me explain. I'm gonna start with the idea of perspective. I saw this post 
and I'm just going to read it. Uh, it's from uh, an Instagram handle called Historic, where they just basically are posting historic pictures, right? And so right now, I think there's something in the human condition where we tend to believe that we are uniquely going through things that no one could have ever imagined or has ever in their lives experienced, that the thing that we're experiencing is harder. And that, to be honest, I think is a little bit driven by just the way that we are ego created human beings, it's hard for us sometimes to appreciate the experience of other people. And so I'm going to read this real quick. For a small amount of perspective at this moment, imagine you were an American born in 1900. When you are 14, World War I starts and ends on your 18th birthday, with 22 million people having been killed in the war. Later that year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until you're 20. 50 million people die from the flu in those two years. Yes, 50 million people. When you're 29, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. The global GDP drops 27%. That runs until you're 33 years old. The country nearly collapses along with the world economy. And when you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't even over the hill yet. When you're 41, the United States is pushed fully into World War II, and 75 million people die in the war. The Holocaust takes 6 million more people. At 52, the Korean War starts, and 5 million people die. At 64, the Vietnam War begins, and it doesn't end for many years. 4 million people die in that conflict. As you approach your 62nd birthday, the Cuban Missile Crisis is at a tipping point. Life as we know it on the planet could well have ended. Great leaders prevented that from happening. And as you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How did you survive all of that, right? Uh, a kid in 1985 didn't think their 85-year-old grandparent understood how hard school was. And yet those grandparents and now great-grandparents survived everything above. Now, what's amazing is, yep, that is crazy, but I can't imagine what it would have been like as a person of color born in 1900, who also had to endure everything that Jim Crow and the Ku Klux Klan and segregation and racism also added to what was already unbelievable things. My point, the point, right, is that as we are experiencing this, man, if there's a way to just connect a little bit to the reality that, yep, hard things are here. Holy cow, and I'm not trying to minimize that this is hard, because man, it's hard. But man, we have been through hard things before as humans, and we have come out the other side. And if you can connect to maybe this feeling hard because of how good we've had it for how long good has been here, then maybe, just maybe, it will encourage you to get back up, right? We're talking about resilience this week, to get back up, because holy cow, as much as it feels hard right now, this is nothing compared to the person who was born in 1900, right? So if you can, in any way, connect to the experience of other people having previously endured unbelievably harder things, maybe, on the days when you don't feel like it, let's go. You can now get up in honor in part because of the people who came before you who endured 
bigger, harder things than you had to. So that's one. Two, so that, that's perspective. The other is visualization, right? The power of visualization. Both of these concepts around resilience are about how you seeing things might afford you some leverage to choose resilience, okay? So how you see things through the experience of other people, perspective, that's one. How you see things, the way that you create leverage in the visualization you create is two. I've been watching this amazing documentary series called The Last Dance with uh, Michael Jordan and the Bulls in their run to try and win the last of the six championships that Michael Jordan won. And the thing that's interesting in it is that there are story after story after story where Michael, because of an interaction, is manufacturing a story in his mind that is making him elevate to the next level. Right. He's just decided like, oh, my goodness, that person slighted me. That slight is a reason why I'm now going to go to the next level and absolutely come back harder and win this game. There's a story of him sitting in a restaurant. The opposing coach, 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 coach is sitting in the restaurant and the coach doesn't come over to say hello to him. And it happens to be in the playoffs. And while he maybe didn't even see Michael, Michael has decided that the absence of respect, the fact that he didn't come over and say hello to him in that restaurant was reason why he needed to get into the game the next night and absolutely take control, absolutely score all the points, win the game, all of that, right? And so the question is, what stories might you concoct, create, that might create leverage for you to ignite, engineer the resilience that you'd hope to have? As Rachel, in real time, is writing her book, right? Rachel has on her computer screen a post-it and this is, again, this is the way that she's wired. She has a post-it that is someone questioning her ability to do her work well from years ago, right? At the very beginning of her writing journey, some of the people who questioned whether she should be able to publish her first book, she has kept the response. She puts it on her, on her computer screen so that she can see and be reminded that she is writing to prove herself still. And I and like, man, I, like, I appreciate it. That's part of how she just like ignites the resilience to get back up and keep on going and do more and do more writing. As I was recording the coaching for this next month inside of my coaching, it's about motivation, how to hack your motivation, how to generate motivation. I think there's something in generating motivation for wanting to be resilient. And in that conversation, I talk about the necessity of having a vision that you can tap into to manufacture motivation on the days you don't feel like it. Now, a lot of people, many of you, I'm going to argue, will connect to creating a positive vision of what's possible in your future as the thing that creates leverage that you can, on the days you don't feel like it, connect to. And so if you haven't, man, I encourage you. Dream the dream, cast the vision. What does it look like on the other side of quarantine? What does it look like when you recover? What does it look like when your job, when your family, when your life comes back to whatever new normal ends up looking like? And as you can so clearly see that vision, connect to it in a way that helps propel you out of bed on the days you don't feel like it. Or if you're like me, 
you may need to connect to the negative visualization of what not choosing resilience might look like. When I was stuck in this strange space between my 30s and my 40s, I was in the midst of what I think they technically call a midlife crisis, right? Like I had had a very, very good life and man was a great dad and did a lot for, you know, my, my family and my work and everything else. And then at 38, I don't know, I hit a funk. And in the funk between 38 and 40, I really withdrew. And I found myself stumbling and struggling to be the kind of dad that my kids deserve, the kind of husband that Rachel deserved. And I was, I was in a funk. And in that funk, Rachel and I had a conversation that I chronicle at the beginning of my book where she represented that, you know what, hey, growth is the most important commodity in my life. I'm growing myself, I'm growing my faith, I'm growing my, my strength, I'm growing, how, just growth, right? Growth was the most important commodity in her life. And she was on this trajectory that was going to have her continue to grow on an every single day basis. And she confronted me with a conversation about what inaction might mean to our relationship, what inaction might mean to my relationship with my kids, what inaction might mean to my health, right? She painted the picture of this diverging path where she's growing and I'm stuck or declining into a lesser, lower stuck version of myself. And in that conversation, I could paint a picture of what inaction might mean, of what not being resilient might mean. And I went dark. I could see that if I didn't choose to get back up, choose to get up every day, keep going, push to become someone who embraced growth, that I would be someone who was exchanging my children every weekend because our marriage would have fallen apart that I would have been someone who was embarrassed about how I failed to model how to parent well to my children who one day will be parents, that I would be someone who leaned more on alcohol than I did on good coping mechanisms, that I would be someone whose faith drifted away, that I would be someone who in that divergence would have a totally and completely different life experience if I couldn't connect to the power of understanding what not taking action might mean. And so the leverage for me that came in seeing that story, that vision of what not being resilient would mean was a massive catalyst to jumping back into and turning my life back into what now it's become, right? I was in a funk after having had a good life. I had a choice. Was I going to just stay in the funk? Was I going to stay in the ditch or was I going to do the work to get out? And I, in that moment, when I was confronted with this, concocted a visualization of what my 20 year later dinner at my birthday would look like, right? 20 years from then, when I'm now 40 years old at 60, we're having a birthday party dinner. And I can see this dinner clearly. And at the dinner, there are one of two scenarios that unfold. There is the scenario where each of my now grown children have come around this table and are raising a glass celebrating the way that for the 20 previous years, I chose to be resilient and get back up and work harder and try harder and do more and show up well and love on them and do the work of impact in this community and be the husband Rachel deserves. 
And as they're toasting, they're crying, and I'm crying, and I'm floating, and 60's amazing, and whoo, I feel great. And there's another version of the way that that dinner goes. There's a version of that dinner where not all of my children agree to go to the dinner because they don't have any pride for the way that the last two decades of my life were spent. They don't want to celebrate the way that I didn't show up, that I didn't chose, choose to be resilient. And those that do show up when it's their turn to raise a glass and have a conversation about what they want to toast, they find themselves without words because there isn't anything they can say other than cheers. Makes me want to cry a little bit, right? So when I see the vision of the possible choose-your-own-adventure chains of what could be a scenario in my life, on the days that I don't feel like it, on the days I feel overwhelmed, on the days where the headwinds feel like they are keeping me back and resilience is a thing that I have trouble tapping into, I can connect, yep, to the, to the picture of that first dinner where they're crying and proud and happy for all of the way that I've shown up. But man, the thing that gets my booty out of bed, the thing that gets me up and gets me moving and forces me to actually engineer the resilience that I want is the idea of getting to that dinner and having not all of them there or having them have nothing to say. So on days when you don't feel like it, on days when you are struggling to want to be resilient, I will suggest that you consider one of two things. That you consider how you are looking at things to create leverage for yourself. You can look at things either through the lens of perspective, right? Trying to ground this experience that you are going through relative to the historical experience that other people have been through to create some relativity that maybe helps you feel a little bit different about how well you can get through this, how, how much we know you can get through this, and how seeing a vision of the other side of this, of you in six months, of you in two years, of you in 10 years, can connect you to, yep, that positive vision of what's possible as you choose resilience, or the picture of what happens if you choose to not be resilient, right? Because that inevitably is also a choice. Inaction is a choice. Wallowing and feeling like this is just the worst and that you're not gonna make it through, that's a choice too. And dang it, I'm not trying to minimize how hard this is for people, but you have to decide to connect to one of those stories to create the kind of leverage that you'll need to get up and get back going on the days when it feels hard. Oh, man, I miss Rachel Hollis and us just playing dancing music on Friday, but sometimes you gotta yell into a camera for 25 minutes. There we go. That is the end. That's all I got. I have nothing left inside of this being. I got my red shirt on, so I'm gonna go on a drive in the darn Bronco today so I can process all my feelings, because I still, even though I've got resilience fired up inside of my body, uh, am processing, like you are, the craziness of these times that we are experiencing. So uh, I'm uh, hopeful that you, that you will find a way to connect to something 
in perspective or something in visualization that creates a little bit of an ability for you to engineer some of the resilience that you're gonna need as you get through this weekend. Y'all, all right, Ray Ray Hollis is gonna be back on Monday with me here inside of this office so that we can talk about goals, continue our conversation in the next 90 day challenge. I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. I appreciate you all. Uh, think a little thought for Ray Ray Hollis as she finishes this book. It's gonna be amazing. It comes out in no time. Uh, we'll see y'all on Monday. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Start Today Morning Show podcast. If you want to actually see the episodes, make sure you tune in in the morning every weekday, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook and Instagram on basically every channel we have. Our theme song is from Sarah Sunshine. Follow her at The Sarah Sunshine. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and Kevin Westlake. With production help from Nicole Fisher. And I'd like to give special thanks to Hawk, the fish that will never die.